we all endure, we all love, we endure pain. We're not as different as we think we are. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what that's one of the beauties of storytelling, that um, we all feel pain, we all grieve, we all love, we all go through heartbreak. The way we go through it might be might be different, but it's still the same emotion. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, that's what I, I believe the world, if anyone is watching an Nigerian film, that should be like the first takeaway, is that we are similar. And mm-hmm. um, we are similar because we're humans, really. And so, yes. aside skin color and the differences in culture, we are more alike than we think. What I would say is really, to keep Doing, doing what we're doing now and for me what, what's important really is that we're building a strong community of fans and, and an audience that appreciates stories from here so what would be more important for me is that as African filmmakers or as, as African storytellers that we delight in our work and then that our audience our African audience that they enjoy what we produce Welcome back to your favorite podcast of all time, Sakina Speaks. My name is Sakina Isubani and I'm your host doing the absolute most on this platform where we come yet again to have the conversations and discussions about the things that matter. Speaking to ordinary Africans that are doing extraordinary things about the issues that plague our continent. And today I'm going to be spotlighting somebody that I absolutely fell in love with after seeing a couple of his works. Um, he is a writer and filmmaker, a budding filmmaker, but I promise you if you watch one of his pieces, you will be blown away way by you know how meticulously he pays attention to detail and how beautifully he conveys cultural and traditional nuances in order to carry these over to generations to come his name is dika Oforma. did i pronounce that correctly yes yes perfect Perfect. how are you i'm good i'm good sakina thank you so much for having me and thank you for the introduction i was moved by it it's a pleasure it's it's really a pleasure so i discovered your work i think last week well last week from from the time that we were recording this I don't know what I was doing but I think I was just like aimlessly scrolling through YouTube or I was watching something else and then it popped up because I'm really like into like watching short films because I I think there's a different attention to detail and something just a little bit more moving about short films these days especially because it's done in a short time so you know it has to be like powerful and moving and the message has to be put across and so I was just like I'm going to watch this short film after watching another short film. Now I remember. And yeah. I saw a Jackpa tale because I know what Jackpa means, right? And we're going to, we're going to explore yeah. that a little bit. <laughs> so we're going to explore yeah. that later in, in the episode. But to Jackpa literally means to run away in, in pigeon slang. And you can correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, right. But to, but to go to a different country, particularly overseas yeah. to seek greener pastures. Yeah. All right. So watching that and being somebody who's technically a product of a Jackpa tale as well, because that's what my dad did a couple odd decades ago in order to seek a better life for us, you know, which has also not been easy, but he literally built everything that he he has from scratch. So I could really, really relate to that. And being able to see one of the stories of people that had to uproot their lives abruptly, you know, when they had this beautiful plan or future for themselves and have to go and build in this foreign land was something quite moving for me. So I really want to understand the mind and the heart behind you know the story and this entire career so can you think back to a time the time when you fell in love with storytelling and film and you know is there a specific memory that you can think back to which really sparked your love for the art or was it something that you stumbled upon which just gradually grew into 
So I say this a lot. I don't know when in my life, I can't recall any point in my life where I didn't want to be a storyteller because mm-hmm. I grew up watching all kinds of films. Um, there was Bollywood, there was Hollywood, there was Nollywood. Mm-hmm. But because Nollywood films we are, of course, about Nigerians and um, stories of Nigerians, I sort of connected to them more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I remember I would have my siblings and cousins, when we were done seeing a Nigerian film, I would gather them around the sitting room and would have them reenact what we watched. And mm-hmm. um, I would say, oh, you, you're playing this character, you're playing that character. And then I would have them, you know, Reperform what we had just watched, yes. and um, I also remember like getting upset if they weren't getting it right, or maybe they can't remember their lines. That sort of thing. So, mm-hmm. I, so I think from childhood, it's always been there. And then by the time I was in primary school, I was I was already writing school plays and then um, directing them, and and I continued to do that in secondary school. And yeah. can you paint us a picture of your childhood? Like, where was this like dream born? You know what? What was it like growing okay. up? Yeah. And and how has that shaped the person that you are and the storyteller that you are today? So I grew up in a small town it's going to be in northern nigeria that mm-hmm. I'm, I'm from the south but um i grew up in the north but also like grew up with a community of people who are from my from my ethnic group we are the Igbo, the Igbo tribe and mm-hmm. um we we are really everywhere in the country so i wouldn't say that i ever felt like some some sort of displacement growing up outside the southern part of nigeria i grew up in the north but also with community of Igbo people i had cousins mm-hmm. i had um uncles and um and aunties who lived in gombe and uh, other parts of the north and so even sometimes when school is on vacation and then um, would need to travel, it, it would be to a different town in the north and you'd also find um, a community of Igbo people there. And so I grew up surrounded with cousins, a lot of my cousins, a lot of um, relatives, really. Well, obviously you wrote a couple of, just like you said, plays in primary school and high school. What was the very first film that you made, like official film, if we were to put it that way? And what was it about and what did you learn from that experience? It was Soma. It's also on YouTube. I made that with my friend, Gochupo Noha. And so I think we had gone hiking because he had been my friend for like a few months and uh, we are having this conversation on the bus on our way back to town. And he was asking, was it long-term plan? Because I was already writing for magazines and for some African journals too. Mm-hmm. And I was asking what the long-term plan is for me because, I mean, we, we talk about film a lot and um, we have like similar interests when it comes to films. And I told him I wanted to be a filmmaker and he said... Um, okay what are you doing towards that goal now and I said oh I'm learning screenwriting and um, I think at that point I had, I had just um, started reading screenwriting books and watching a couple of videos on YouTube and he says okay um, you've been reading studying for a while now why don't you write something and let's make it and so because he's, he's good with gadgets he knows photography and so he knows how to handle the camera we decided to make um, our first short film it's so my, at that point I had learned about visual village in Nigeria where young girls are married off to pay their father's debt and mm-hmm. it's a cultural thing there where it's normal if you go borrow money and you can't pay back the lender comes and um, you'd have to give them your daughter in exchange for the money you owe them and mm-hmm. it wouldn't matter that they were like eight 10 11 12 i mean mm. yeah so i found that shocking and um i thought i read a couple of articles i watched videos some i think there was a documentary by al jazeera mm-hmm. or bbc i can't remember now i think it was bbc um, a short documentary about it on bbc and i saw them and i thought okay we could um we could do a story on this and um yeah we did it and we shot it on a samsung phone and um the reception was okay on twitter by those who Follow me on 
Twitter because that's really where I interact more. like my favorite um, social <laughs> uh, media media platform and so mm-hmm. the reception was okay and then the next year this was in 2021 last year 2022 we made something else about grief after that i made them um, a jabba till and this time first time solo directing solo producing and so um it was more challenging for me because mm-hmm. my friend was traveling out that weekend that's going on and I, I had to do it that because I was also, also going to travel out of um, Inuku I lived in Inuku not in Lagos and I was going to Lagos the week after and I just knew that I had to make it because I, I hate to delay things and uh, I was afraid that mm-hmm. uh, traveling would take my mind off it and I wouldn't be able to make it and so I tried to solo, solo direct the film and solo make the film wow and um, I've just been blown away by the reception. You know, the cool thing is that when you said that Soma was actually the first film you made, I was like, thank God I watched it. Um, you seen I, it? I did. I saw, I saw yeah, a Jaffa Tale. Okay. And then I saw the one on, I think I watched Soma first. And then I watched the one on Grief. I was even more blown away by the fact that it was shot on a Samsung. I'm really, really intrigued by mobile photography or cinematography. Yeah. Because it's like this little gadget in your hand can actually do so much more than just text. And so when I saw that, yeah. that story was that captivating. The acting was so good and color grading everything and then i was like they shot this on a samsung on a phone like a smartphone blew my mind even more and i was almost like disappointed by the fact that there weren't any more films that i could watch from you because i went on and i was just like no it can't only be these three you know and just for the fact that you said that you solo directed and solo shot the movie it's like listen guys it sounds like i'm gassing him up but you need to watch these films it's the authenticity and like the real raw emotion it's not exaggerated acting like the actors as well i clap hands for them as well because they really carry the stories and portray them really well and so that's why i was able to like fill in the words when you you were talking about someone because i actually watched it and now i i want to know like there's sort of a thread in these three films so number one you always representing your Igbo culture your nigerian Igbo culture number two you're sort of commenting on social issues is this something that it's something that you're passionate about or something that you want to carry throughout your career so the thing is because i am evil and so i I think it's natural for me to want to tell stories about my people but Mm. also yes i grew up in the north but like within an evil community but it's different when so for uni i had to move to awiri a town it's an evil city in southern nigeria and um, just sort of like some sort of cultural awakening where even with like learning for instance that my evil wasn't good enough for instance because it's something that i've been having difficulty accepting because i grew up speaking evil i grew up speaking english Mm -hmm. i grew up speaking hausa which is a common language Spoken in, spoken in the northern part of Nigeria. Yes. But coming down to where and then like hearing the richness of the Igbo by other Igbo speakers and just learning that I wasn't as fluent as I thought. It was even like moving to Enugu because Enugu used to be the Nollywood city because in the 2000s it was Enugu and Lagos. Yes. Really. And after a while, I don't know what happened. I think from 2010, when people started making films for cinema, because um, it used to be for VHS cassettes, and then the industry really was Lagos now, and it wasn't even shared anymore. It was just Lagos. And then I think Asaba continued a different part of, like, certain part of the country where, where they make the really low-budget films. Mm-hmm. And so Lagos now became the city for the technically advanced films and even the more artistically ambitious films. Yes. And so nothing was really happening in Inuku. And so um, there was this joy with watching Genevieve Naji's Lionheart, which was mm-hmm. shot here in Inugu, and you know, it showcased the culture, and it was just shot in the city. And I was like, okay, this is my city, and then yeah, we can make films here too. Mm-hmm. And so it became important for me to also want to make films about Inugu and to make films that feature Igbo dialogue. 
really. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then for social issues, so with social issues, I don't know that I go out of my way to want to reflect the things happening in our societies. I think mostly it has just been that um, in a way these stories are kind of almost personal to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, with the one on grief, uh, when I wrote it, I was grieving. With um, a Hill, my brother had moved to the UK. My brother, who's also my best friend, had moved to the mm-hmm. UK the year before. That was in, I think, 2020. I can't remember now. 2021, really. And so that was, that was heartbreaking because um, he was my best friend, my brother, my closest friend too. And so yeah. him leaving was, of course, um, heartbreaking for me. And then with um, Suma, it was really... I think I was just like really upset by reading reading about this and I wanted to like reflect it. And that is why I went from the angle of a schoolgirl who was passionate about school and um, because of this, she she can no longer achieve, um, achieve her dreams. She can no longer go to school. And so that's what I wanted to like show with Soma. Of course, I care about social issues. Of, of course, I'm upset about some of the things going on in the country, in Nigeria and in the world. And so film has, has sort of like provided me a medium to to share my thoughts really mm-hmm. on, on these issues. Yeah. And so just like Soma, who was driven by, you know, her love for education and obviously emancipation through that what what drives you what would you say are the things that you are passionate about and that you want to see in the world essentially i would say justice i'm I'm bothered about unfair treatment and um i i don't want to sound um precious but really bothered about inequality and Mm -hmm. um, and just and um, i i I just really want the world to be more just Mm -hmm. and so if you were to ask me what are the things that i'm concerned about i'll I'll just say treating people unfairly yeah that's what i would say it's inequality which is like rampant in the world and so what inequality does it's that i mean we live in a world that, that is prejudiced and so it's the inequality in the world that um that informs our prejudices and so i would say yes it's that i, that I, that I want the world to be a fairer place for, mm-hmm. for everyone yeah i love that and speaking of lionheart is that your favorite movie of okay. all time or if it isn't what is your favorite movie of all time i would say yes i think lionheart is my favorite nigerian film one of maybe mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but yeah lionheart has like a special place in my heart i rewatch Lionheart a lot. I watched the dining room scene. I think Lionheart is probably the one thing that I've watched way too many times. Mm-hmm. The dining room scene where um, the Obiago family were gathered and then they were having a meal, all of that. It's find that scene really beautiful. And so I, I keep watching it because I'm just like wondering, okay, how are we able to like capture this? Because it's like really authentic to how you know how Igbo people dialogue, converse over meals. And then there's the scene where the scene with Adesa and her mom, where Adesa says to her mom, um, I'm tired, where she's like exhausted with like mm-hmm. trying to like um, find a way out of their debt. And the mom says, she says it to me before, she says, you be the baby do and you're already tired, like you've not even begun mm-hmm. and you're tired already and really just encourages her. Something about achieving whatever you put your mind to. Yes. I think that was the line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so I find all of that moving. And so sometimes I just rewatch these things because for me, it's the genuineness of the story that mm-hmm. I find like really moving about Lionheart. And so if you ask, it's definitely one of my favorite Nigerian films. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. And I have watched it as well. And I loved it particularly. And my dad loved it even more than yes. I did because yeah. he's also like such a big fan of Genevieve. And oh, okay. so Genevieve, and then there was Pete Edochi, which I just 
absolutely adore and Nkem Owo. Yeah. So that was that was yeah. a good one for all of us to just to just watch and enjoy and you know the humor but also like the seriousness of it all and you know that family spirit and I honestly thought that the uncle wanted to take yeah. over but he actually came to just remind her of who she is and exactly exactly so yeah so yeah I, I mean I like that, that that we we agree on the theme and then we see <laughs> we see really that the theme is about family yes and about yes. family sticking together mm-hmm. yeah because it was a family inheritance it wasn't something for just commercial use or whatever or you know yeah it was a legacy that was that was quite a good film what what do you believe is the importance of Africans telling their own stories like do you believe that Africans should be the ones telling their own stories or it doesn't really matter and why okay I would say it's important for Africans to tell their story because there's a knowledge that you have that isn't the stereotypes that is in the media mm-hmm. and so for instance you would know how do I put it now if an African were to tell a story about I'll, I'll use the, the instance in Soma yes. where we had a young girl who wanted to go to school and she couldn't afford to go to school and the mother convincing her and just sort of like speaks to her and says uh, you have to do this for the family mm-hmm. and, then, and I think we can see from the mom that she isn't exactly happy to let her daughter go but it's a difficult decision that that she has to make and does she know better should she have fought for her daughter better i mean that's not left for the viewer to decide Mm-hmm. I think there's an understanding of like the situation that just lets um, the story be told without judgment. Mm-hmm. I don't know that a foreigner knows enough about um, these stories to be able to like capture the new ones. And so, mm-hmm. and so it's, it's often going to be black and white. And this isn't to say that, that there aren't African filmmakers who, or African storytellers who have painted like um, a very black and white picture of Africa or of, of the stories that they want to tell. But mm-hmm. I think with an African filmmaker who who has his heart at the right place or her heart at the right place, you'll be able mm-hmm. to they are able to tell a more careful story and and so and so with it you see the difference of understanding than when it is told by a foreigner. And yeah. so I wouldn't say um, a foreigner shouldn't tell African stories, but are you willing to to be humble enough? Are you willing to humble yourself, learn really about these people and not just what you've read in foreign media? Mm-hmm. absolutely we've spoken a lot about culture and like the importance of you know conveying this and how you convey this as a part of yourself or as a part of your expression do you then believe that film is a way of preserving our heritage and and passing that on to generations to come like do you sort of consciously or subconsciously have this in mind when you're making movies yes yes i really believe it is because there's a joy i also consume a lot of old nollywood now and when i say old nollywood i mean old nollywood of the 90s because mm-hmm. i didn't grow up on that um and so i just go back to watch them on youtube and i find it really inspiring what some of the filmmakers were able to do with like very little resources and so mm-hmm. they didn't have the cameras we have now they didn't have the resource that youtube is for education and how accessible um, books are now yes but they were able to do so much with storytelling I look at the filmography of um, filmmakers like Amaki Gwe, Tunde mm-hmm. Kilani. So these filmmakers, when I see how they've been able to like share and preserve culture with the stories they tell, it's beautiful for me. Because yes. I remember recently I was working on something and I just had to go back to the old living in bondage to see how they shot a wedding, a marriage scene. And I mm-hmm. thought it was beautiful with the songs and the costumes the women the women were wearing. And mm-hmm. the same thing, the same way I felt when I watched Amaki Gwe's Rattlesnake. She had this beautiful funeral. I'm sorry that I'm using the, the word beautiful to describe <laughs> to describe a funeral, but it's really beautiful what she was able to like achieve mm-hmm. with that. And just it just like really depicts 
Igbo funerals and Igbo burials. And she didn't like hold back on showcasing culture with that. And this long sequence where, where she just captures like really all the rights at Igbo burials with the masquerade, with the relatives and how they are dressed and then who sees prayers at the funeral, all of yeah. that. And I just look back at it now and even if say I didn't live in the country, I didn't know enough about my people or I, I lived abroad and I wanted to come home and make a film or just to share how Igbo people perform burials. It's, it's a good reference for that and I'm thankful for her. I'm thankful for the things she was able to do while she was alive making films. And so, yes, it is important and mm-hmm. I, I think that's one of the purposes of filmmaking is that while we entertain it's also important that while we entertain and also like move people with the stories we tell that we reflect um, life and yes. so when when you already have it recorded you already have it captured on camera you're preserving culture and legacy yes. so yes and I think there's something that in addition to the Amaka Igwes and Kunle Afolayo does very well especially when it comes to Yoruba yes, culture yes he does it very well with the Yoruba culture he, yes so you're looking at films like yeah, Anikolako yeah, you can see that he's passionate about it with the way he just has it infused in almost all his films he, yes. he, he really wants he really wants the world to know about his people mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and even about like Nigerian culture in general because I think is it October the 1st October, October 1st yeah. yes October 1st as well and there was another movie that Swallow there's just such yeah. a an attention to detail even when he's not depicting like just Yoruba culture just being so intentional about sending this message across and depicting this to yeah. the world which brings me to this question you have a great appreciation for old Nollywood and you are part of new Nollywood so what do you think then can be improved within the whole of Nollywood and what do you believe that the world can take from African storytellers in order to improve their films as well so for me, the number one thing would be story, story craft. I think we have a long way to go, especially with our writing and um, fine-tuning our stories. I think not even of the 90s, just sort of like had like a better grip on storytelling. I watched some of our films and uh, this, is me, this is me being honest. And yeah, we have a lot of work to do with the kind of stories, with how we tell our stories. I don't think that we we are really capturing the beauty of being Nigerian mm-hmm. enough with our stories. I don't think we are we are writing them well. Um, so I would say storycraft. That's one, and then two would be would concentrate more on telling like stories, Nigerian stories, because I just get a sense now that um, Nollywood is headed towards making. Themes that are like derivatives of um, Hollywood, mm-hmm. and so there's there's also that, that sort of um, setting because a lot of a lot of us grew up on Hollywood films. It just makes sense that we would it just makes sense that or, that we are yeah. influenced by Hollywood and inspired mm-hmm. by it. And so sometimes you just you just see that influence in the kind of stories we are telling to. And so I would say really storycraft is number one. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's that's really really what we we need to figure out. And then, what do you think yeah. that the world needs to learn and adapt African from stories? from Nigerian stories? Yes, I I think what the world needs to learn uh, is to see how similar we are. Really, that um, we all endure, we all love, we endure pain. We're not as different as we think we are. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that's what that's one of the beauties of storytelling, that um, we all feel pain, we all grieve, we all love, we all go through heartbreak. The way we go through it might be might be different, but it's still the same emotion. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, that's what I, I believe the world, if anyone is watching an Nigerian film, that should be like the first takeaway, is that we are similar. And mm-hmm. um, we are similar because we're humans, really. And so, yes. aside skin color and the differences in culture, we are more alike than we think. I hear you. I hear you. And in that same vein, what would you say about like the level of representation that we have in the world and just commenting on how the world is currently representing Africans? How are we contributing to that? Because just like you said now, in Nollywood and in many other African film industries, we are sort of gravitating towards emulating our influences and the stuff that we consume most of the time, which is westernized films and and that sort of thing. But do you think we are representing ourselves well enough? Basically, my question is, should Africans be producing a lot more than what they're producing now in order to paint the correct picture of who they truly are to the world? I don't know that the answer is producing more things. I think we're doing enough already. Mm-hmm. Look at Afro beats with like with like the music, and I don't know that that we're making more music now, but mm-hmm. like because the world has sort of like paid attention to the kind of the music we have from like Nigeria and and South Africa so. Mm-hmm. I think what it, what what it has what it has brought is attention mostly, but I don't know that Africans are making more music now because of this attention. What I would say is really to keep doing doing what we're doing now. And for me, what what's important really is that we're building a strong community of fans and and an audience that appreciates stories from here. So what would be more important for me is that as African filmmakers, as, as African storytellers, that we delight in our work and then that our audience, our African audience, that they enjoy what we produce. And um, for instance, with music now, I think even with like before global expansion, Africans started listening to African music more. And I think with global expansion now, that's a plus. But with African film, um, if African storytellers or African filmmakers are able to like make films that resonate with Africans, and then we start to watch our films more, mm-hmm. and you know, go to cinemas and pay premium to see those films, I think that's a better that that has a greater feeling. I would have like a greater feeling of accomplishment. Yes, that my work is being seen by my people mm-hmm. and appreciated. And if foreigners also enjoy and appreciate it, that's a plus. And so I don't think right now that we've fully captured the African audience. And, and so this is why I say to now, how many, for instance, how many Nigerians are willing to see films from South Africa or films mm-hmm. from, from DRC or films from Kenya? And how many Kenyans are willing to see films from Nigeria and films from South Africa? Mm-hmm. And um, even within Nigeria, how many Nigerians are willing to go to the cinemas to pay yeah. to see Nigerian films and so that that's more work to do I believe and so I don't see that happening if we're making Hollywood films influenced by Hollywood because I'm not going to pay premium to see a copy or an imitation of a Marvel movie or an imitation of a super, of the Hollywood superhero films yeah when I can just watch the original Really. Mm-hmm. And so what we need to identify first is what are our stories and um, how can we tell them in a way that would appeal to us more. And I think mm-hmm. when we do that, it's even easier to like draw attention from from outsiders. And so if Afrobeats was just a copy of American hip hop, sure, sure, they're like influences from there, but like if it was just like a blatant copy yes. of American hip hop or American R and B, I'm not sure that the attention um, Afrobeat has now that that it would have it. Mm-hmm. that's really how i feel no i hear you and do you think that in general maybe we're making 
Hollywood-like films because there's more support for Hollywood-like films and people have just not... Like, I know it's kind of contradictory to what you just said, but yeah. I, do, I, you know, I just want to entertain this idea of is it because we have a taste or a liking for those things because we think they are superior or they are better than our stories and our context and maybe we're looking for some sort of escape or is it that we just need to support our story and embrace our story more first so that we can actually start supporting more of because there are a lot of people that are making authentic african films but they're not receiving as much support as the ones that are hollywood like but yeah but i see how it works and so this is it yeah Mm -hmm. with hollywood films you get spectacle really things are exploding there's some sort of like adrenaline rush Mm -hmm. with those kind of things and i'm not saying that they're not possible in an african setting but because they some of them rely really heavily on on, on spectacle and mm-hmm. um, and I think because of that we've also tilted more I'm speaking for Nollywood now about like the upper middle class yes and so so the beautiful homes and the flashy cars and so for like people seeking an escape from their realities those sort of stories would have some some some, some sort of appeal but I also think that things like this are not like long lasting mm-hmm. and so if I go see it for instance I'm, I'm going to measure it up with like what's attainable in, in Hollywood and and because it's a copy, because it's an imitation of Hollywood, it's going to be so par, and that's the truth. Mm-hmm. And so what it does is and, and I'm not saying that the stories that are about like lower middle class are the stories that are African or stories about poverty and stories True. about like people suffering and those are like the stories that are truly African. Mm-hmm. No, that's not what I'm saying. Even those sort of stories can be inspired by Hollywood too. Mm-hmm. But what I believe now that would, that would sort of like make us, makes African stories stand out would be a careful attention to storytelling, yes, but also that they draw the kind of um, investment these are the Hollywood influence stories have and so for instance with um when when we make those kind of films mm-hmm. that are like you said like there are also stories that are, that are authentic about africa but they don't get as much press but often they're made with like um, a smaller budget mm-hmm. often they don't get the attention they deserve because who's distributing them they don't have True. they don't have the big distribution companies selling these films and and so because the bigger production companies are making these sort of films, those are the ones that get more attention. And so you can't, how do I put it now? It's really the investment that is, is that there's not enough investment in those kind of stories and not that. So that's why I would say they're not getting the attention, the Hollywood influence ones are getting. I mean, we all watched Lionheart and Lionheart was about family. It was authentic about the Nigerian story it was telling. It was also like about an upper middle class family. It wasn't even about poverty. Yes. So what, what I'm saying is those kind of stories would get the attention that, that it deserves or that they deserve if they get this sort of support and investment the Hollywood influenced ones get, mm-hmm. really. Well, that's beautifully said. No, I, I hear you. Yeah. So it's, so it's just that perhaps we're not getting, just like you said, the other authentic support, red, yeah. yeah, they're not getting the support yeah. and the push that they need to get them into the market so that yeah. many of us can can then consume them. That I totally, yeah. I totally agree. So to close off this really insightful okay. conversation, and I really thank you for, for sharing this time mm-hmm. with me. We're going to close off with essentially, you know, the heart and the core of this episode, which was the Jaffa okay. tale, right? Yeah. And, and you spoke about your heartfelt Jaffa tale regarding, you know, your brother leaving to the UK. And yeah. I just want to know, considering the fact that, you know, the film industries and the art industries of the Western world, for example, are a lot more developed and, and specialized. Have you ever entertained the thought of Jack Barring to the Americas or Europe in order to to further pursue this career? 
it's um, I've thought about Japan, I've thought about like leaving the country. But I, I think filmmaking is also like what makes me want to stay here. Because mm-hmm. the, the stories I want to tell are stories about Nigeria, are stories about Africa, and are stories about Igbo people. And I don't know how successful I would be with telling these kind of stories if I was away from the country. Yes. And so even even with like um the lead Emuchi in a Jaguar TL who can't leave because she wants to pursue her acting dreams here. Mm-hmm. Would it be possible to pursue acting abroad? Yes. But how successful would it be pursuing an acting career abroad where mm-hmm. she's not she's not at home? She has to like adapt to a culture to get jobs abroad, that sort of thing. It's yeah. it's more that her dreams are here and then she wants to push an acting dream. And then of course if you're Nigerian, you have higher success of telling or appearing in Nigerian films here here in Nigeria mm-hmm. so with me wanting to be like a filmmaker now the kind of stories I want to tell are about Nigerians and I don't know that I know enough about America or the UK to tell stories about the UK or even about Nigerians in the UK mm-hmm. It's, it's probably going to take me take me a while to assimilate fully with the culture for me to start to see things clearer and then see how I can get like um how can, how I can reflect for instance my experiences abroad mm-hmm. in the stories I want to tell and how and how easy is it going to going to be for me to find Nigerian actors abroad to find Nigerian collaborators abroad um, that sort of thing and so it's it's more that I want to tell Nigerian stories and where can I tell Nigerian stories it's it's in Nigeria and so I'm not sure that if I a strong desire to move abroad of course I've, I've lost the feelings i keep nursing these feelings i mean there's also like pressure from family to japa mm-hmm. but within myself I, I i don't think that i'm convinced that, that i want to japa that there's a future that the future of that when it comes to filmmaking it's i, I don't know that it's going to be the same thing if if you... if, if i left the country yeah mm-hmm. and so i'm here because the stories I want to tell are here for now. At least, at least, as a, at least as someone who's starting out with like uh, very little funding, and um, yeah, I, I don't think that going abroad and dealing with like the realities of being an immigrant would would let me have time to to tell the stories that I want to tell. Mm-hmm. I, I think getting getting there first would be more about survival and like trying to like rebuild my life from scratch but here i can wake up tomorrow speak to a few friends and we'll have a camera on board and then i'm shooting this and i'm making a film on on, on the corner of my streets Mm -hmm. easily i don't know how achievable that, that would be abroad I hear you. And I thank you very much for sharing your story. This is what it's all about on this podcast. It's just yeah. making your voice heard and and just listening to how different people navigate the struggles, but also the beautiful opportunities that we have on this continent. And I'm always a firm advocate for staying in Africa. And I know that our politicians, our infrastructure, overpopulation, all of these things, yes, they're, they're factors that will constantly push us out of the continent and out of our respective countries. Mm-hmm. And I'm grateful that my my dad technically did that as well. But I'm, I'm grateful that he did that to an African country and that I could still be immersed in my culture and, you know, learn the traditions and be able to interact with different people within the space, which I probably wouldn't have had the same kind of opportunity to do if I was living overseas. And yes, we have different paths in life. We have different purposes in life. And the journey is going to be different for all of us. But I think my core belief is just that I feel like we just need to try and fight in our African countries, man. Like, I just, I'm such a firm belief. Like, literally, if I was to Jakarta anywhere, Jakarta, Nigeria. And I know it's very, very, (laughs) it's very unrealistic because people are like, listen, people don't plenty for deer. Like, 
don't even think about but i feel like there's so much that we can tap into on our continent if we just i know like listen there's so many people that are going to be like yeah yeah but unemployment but this but that but that but there's so many opportunities man they're they're great collaborators they're things that you can do to emancipate your community to emancipate yourself and to change your story and rewrite history if only we would look for those opportunities because clearly if people outside of the continent keep coming to our continent there's something that they're seeing which we probably need to start seeing if we're not seeing it yet so i'm still Mm -hmm. a firm believer that listen there's still hope for our continent there's still hope for our people and frankly there's still hope for me so if i'm going to jackpot it's going to be nigeria or kenya or you know what i mean that's that's gonna be so thank you for sharing your story within africa yeah there's a lot of opportunities that we still have you know there's a lot of good things there's a lot of great people a lot of great artists and creatives and everything so i mean if we're trying to leave a history for our children if we're trying to leave something that they can look back to and they can learn from and they can emulate then yeah we have to stop running away from our heritage yeah and so that's that for this episode. Thank you so very much once again, Dika. It yeah. has been an absolute pleasure and it's been great Thank to just so much, hear yeah. your heart as well for your craft. And it's going to be such a pleasure to watch more of the the, the content and the, the films and the stories that you're going to write and tell and showcase in the future. And I wish you absolutely all the best on that journey. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed the questions. And um, yeah, I feel like really honored. This is probably my first live um, interview. The first interview I'm having to speak about myself on a podcast. And so, yes, it feels special for me. So thank thank you so much. It's a pleasure. Thank you for according me that. Because you write a lot about other people. So it was great to also, you know, just understand where you're coming from and who you are and, and what you're about. Thank you so much. Thank you to everybody that listens to the podcast. Thank you for supporting. Thank you for, you know, setting your alarms for 6 a.m. on Tuesdays, Central African time. Um, thank you so much for all the messages that I always get of encouragement, of just you appreciating or just telling me, you know, what you learn from each of the episodes. And I really do appreciate your input and just loving the girl, you know. It's really been a pleasure. Like any other thing, it's not always the easiest, but I love it and I live for it and can't wait to bring you more content. So keep the conversation going in your respective spaces. Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a family member. Let's make Sakina Speaks a household name. You best believe that when Sakina Speaks, you got to listen. So do not be a stranger. Hit us up on social media. That's Sakina Speaks underscore S-A-K-I-N-A-S-P-E-A-K-S underscore. And of course, go and check out because work and every other thing that he's doing he is an avid writer and a great writer at that who does a lot of commentary on social issues but also a lot of these artistic pieces that other people have put out there and so i think you would be doing yourself a very big service by tapping into that and just getting to hear his heart and, and his understanding of things you know so take care stay blessed Mwah. sakina has spoken mm-hmm.